you are listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Thursday, September the 5th in the year of our Lord 2019. Normally, Pastor Wes Reimnitz is with me, Tom Baker, but at this time he is on assignment. So, God willing, he'll be back next week. I'm going to be talking all by myself on a subject that I had a conver- over an hour conversation uh, this week with a listener to our radio program, and he really made some very good points, and I want to respond to some of them. He works in a situation where there are a number of millennials, or at least people, who are really disturbed and they're not going to church anymore. And he gave me some great insights as to why that is happening. The main item why that is happening is they believe that the church is interfering with the political subjects. For example, they're taking church religious items and trying to impose them on the government or on people in the United States. And therefore, the church is seen as judgmental and not very tolerant. Now, of course, I spoke about, well, talk about being judgmental. The people who are attacking the church are just as judgmental. And we both agreed that there is a situation right now in the country where people are talking past each other or not even able to talk. In fact, on uh, a program I was listening to, uh, one of the hosts that often appears on Fox News was making the point that in the old days, you could set aside your differences in order to get things done in Congress. That's just not happening anymore. And... People say both sides are doing this. I'm not as much thinking that the conservative side is attacking as much as the liberal side. Uh, For example, if you really want to see a liberal situation, all you have to do is get a copy of the Post-Dispatch. I cannot remember the last article where President Trump is in the headline that is not negative. Every article is negative. And, of course, these are people who have no problem in killing children in the womb or homosexuality. They just had an article. The title was that scientists have now found a gene for homosexuality. Then when you went to read the article... It didn't say anything of that and said they have not found anything like that. And there are many other situations. Well, I can tell you what the situations are. I saw a recent um, prison kind of um, documentary. That's what it was. And it was on YouTube. And it was a woman's prison. 90% of the women had become lesbian. And many of them had not been that at all until they got to that prison. And you start to understand what the Bible says about terrible things happening to individuals when they get in certain situations because of lust, 
uh, because of desire, etc. I really want you, if you want a, a really good explanation of this, Pastor Whedon was on Issues Etc. yesterday, and Todd was interviewing him. It was an excellent hour. So it, it was on Wednesday, September the 4th, the first hour of Issues Etc. And Pastor Whedon, I thought, really hit the nail on the head how there is a real war between the church and the world. Now, and he had all kinds of Bible verses. I'm not going to say too much more about that because I hope that you get a chance to listen to it. It's archived. Just go to issuesetc.org and take a look at that. Just really excellent. So we were talking about how do we get people together? How can we stop all of these items? Because some people are saying if we keep on going, boy, we're going to have a horrible country, if it's not already horrible. I mean, look how many people are attacking Christians because of our biblical views on morality. Well, here's my feeling on that. That's not going to change. There's no way that you can make a compromise either on, say, gay marriage or abortion. Because both are clearly against the word of God. So when people from those two sides come together, it's really quite a waste of time in trying to figure out, can we come to some kind of a compromise? The people who compromised in the Old Testament, they ended up going into Babylonian captivity by God. God does not permit compromise. Now, does that mean that everything the church believes the government needs to follow? Well, I'll give you an example. Divorce. In some states, you can get what's called a no-fault divorce. And we are not saying, as a church, that the government cannot permit divorce. Remember, even Jesus said, well, you're supposed to be married, but for the hardness of your heart, God permitted divorce to occur. And he even gave some examples of where a divorce could occur. Uh, for example, in desertion or in adultery or these sorts of things can break the marriage bond and a divorce can be operative even in the eyes of God. However, the church then can take someone who is divorced, and we did that at my former congregation, and if they were the ones responsible for the divorce, say through adultery, and they refuse to repent of that sin, they can be brought under discipline. So there, there's an example where the church will say, yes, the government can enact a divorce. But then within the church, we need to take a look at a person as to why that divorce took place. And if there's unrepentant sin involved, then it could lead to excommunication. 
But let's say an individual, a man, commits adultery against his wife, and she wants a divorce, and he is really sorry for what he did, and he begs forgiveness, and she's not of the mindset to do that, and the divorce occurs. We would not bring discipline on either one of them because he's repentant, and she has the right to the divorce. Now, we would try and keep the marriage together, but that would not be what has to happen. The more I was talking with this individual, I was trying to explain that in the world, many people are not Christian. So you can't use the Bible to help people come to an agreement. However, there, there is something that can be done in some situations because Martin Luther said that all that the government is is organized selfishness. What does that mean? That means the government attempts to get you to do what they want you to do, pay taxes, stop at red lights, and be kind to others in giving food to the needy, etc. What's the motivation, the only motivation that the government has? It's called self-interest. Now, when I come up to a stop sign as a Christian, I have two motivations. If I see a policeman across the street parked there, you can bet I'm going to be having a full stop at the stop sign. But my other motivation is that stop sign is the stop sign of Jesus Christ. And out of love for him, I will therefore obey the government. That love of Jesus Christ is not found in unbelievers. So how can you ever reach an agreement where two sides are really at different odds. I don't think it's possible when it comes to moral situations like abortion, homosexuality, etc. Unless one of the persons decides, no, I'm wrong, then you're going to have a division. I, I really believe that the beginning of the problems in this country really began when the Supreme Court decided that we could kill Jews um, who are not yet born, or particularly we could kill blacks who are not yet born. That's really where the problem began. And, and then the recent Supreme Court ruling, how they came to this is beyond me, that people of the same gender can get married. That That's just absolutely ridiculous and nonsensical. And until those are changed, you're going to have tremendous divisions in this country. I don't know what it's going to lead to, but there's no way to bring those two sides together as each of them remain in their position. So how do you make people come together? Well, you used their self-interest. For example, everybody knows that the Jews and the Arabs aren't getting along over there. And many of the Arabs who are terrorists 
are shooting at Jews, bombing them, and then the Jews are, of course, retaliate, retaliating uh, with with their kinds of things. Now, how could you bring those two sides together? What you would need to do is come to a decision where the self-interests of both sides work. In other words, both sides are pleased with what has happened. Now, what would that mean? That could mean, for example, that some land that the uh, Arab group feels was stolen by the Jews could be returned to them and there would be an agreement that there would be no more attacks against Jewish people. Now, I'm not a politician in this area. I'm just giving a suggestion. I don't know if it will work at all, but the point I'm trying to make is very simple. You work on the basis of their self-interest. I mean, how many times does that occur where an employee may be kind of angry with the employer Maybe their hours are too long or they're not getting paid enough. And therefore, when they work, they don't do as good a job as the employer would hope. Well, that could be fixed if the employer informs the the people who are working for him that depending on how you work, we can raise your wages. I'll tell you how, when I worked at Chrysler, how this worked. I was off for about a half a year until I went to college. And so I was working there at the um, car company. Now, everyone got the same pay who was on the line. The vehicle would be going down the line, and I had the process. It was trucks I was working on, putting the axles on the trucks, uh, they were upside down, and I had to uh, use guns that would tighten the bolts, and they had to be at a certain tightening and this sort of thing. So we were all getting the same pay. But then there was a large room where there were about eight workers in it, all by themselves, and they were putting together trucks that were too big to be put on the line. And they were told, and I'm not sure this is absolutely accurate, but it's you'll, you'll get the point, that if they did a truck a day, they got their regular wages. But if they were able to do more than a truck, let's say a truck and a third, they would get additional wages. I don't ever remember in that room that they only did a truck a day. They were motivated out of self-interest to get more pay, and they did so. So I'm taking a look at situations. For example, some Christians have even been fined because they refuse to make a cake for a gay marriage. Now, I, I don't know what, what's wrong with uh, some Christians here. But what I would do if I were a Christian in that state, I, I would go to a Muslim bakery and tell them we're having a meeting and it's all about that Allah is an idol and I want 10 cakes with that written on it. You know they're not going to do that. Well, why is nobody thinking this way? 
and they have the right not to do it. You can't force somebody to do something that is contrary to their conscience. We're very happy that in the United States of America, my wife was a nurse, and at the hospital she was at, they never did abortion, but I had an elder who was head of the emergency room at a hospital that did abortions, and he, of course, refused to participate in any abortion, and he could not be fired. The laws of the land allow nurses and doctors and other medical personnel not to participate in that which is against their conscience. See, that was a great way of solving the problem. The self-interest of both were taken care of. Women who wanted an abortion, even though it's a sin before God, they still had the opportunity to do so. Uh, With these bakeries and such, I think the law should be this, that if you go to a bakery and they refuse to do the cake with the words on it you want, then the law is you simply can go to another bakery that does do that. And that would solve the problem. Why are people so upset? I mean, I'm not upset that I can't go to a Muslim bakery and have them say Allah is an idol. That would be inappropriate to do. Now, we also want to make it clear that we do not impose our religious values on the government where God recognizes that it's not something to be imposed. Now, probably 90% of the morality that Christians have should be imposed on the government. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, etc., etc. But we have a commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There should not be a law done by the government that forces people to go to church. That would be inappropriate. Uh, In in fact, the uh, divorce thing I just talked about is a good example. Within the church... We would discipline individuals who went for a divorce that was inappropriate from a biblical point of view. But we would permit the government to do that, as God did under Moses, for the hardness of their heart. Who who wants to force a woman to stay in a marriage where her husband is an alcoholic or is on drugs and she's getting beat up on a regular basis. No, no, we wouldn't force that. But if the husband was a member of the church, though we would allow the divorce by the government, we would then bring discipline charges against him if he continued to be unrepentant. So how do you bring different factions together who are not Christian? If they're Christian, you can always use the scripture to help make a decision. And the reading last week is, don't go to court with someone unless you're put to shame. Go and speak to the brother first, it said, in order to resolve it prior to going to court. Now, that's 
absolutely appropriate. Does that mean the Christian never goes to court? No. If, for example, I paid a store money uh, for a new couch and they were going to deliver it in three days and they never show up and then they refuse to give my money back, well, then I can go to court because I'm dealing with a non-Christian group or a Christian group who still refuses to do what is right. This idea that within the world you can make proper decisions to the good of both sides if you keep in mind the self-interest of each side. I mean, how many times are arguments resolved not because they repent and they believe in Jesus Christ, but in the world, in the temporal world where God operates also, there things are resolved by self-interest. Now, sometimes people are put in jail because of the crimes that they've done. That is in the self-interest of the population. It's not in the self-interest of the person being put in jail. I, I, I can't imagine. I've been watching some of these prisons, the worst prisons in the world, where I saw one, where was it? It was uh, South America. And there are like 20 men in a cell. And when they sleep, they have to lie beside each other. And some of them are in there for life. I don't know if I could do that. But that was part of their punishment. And the vast majority of them were because of drugs. Why do people take drugs? It's very simple. It's self-interest. They may be having a really hard life. Things aren't going right. And when they take these drugs and get on a high, they feel better about themselves without recognizing that the more drugs they take, the higher they get. Uh, pretty soon they have to start stealing in order to get more money for the drugs. And it's a vicious circle. Whereas in Christianity, we would sit down and talk with the individual who's having a bad life and help them through Bible verses and the Holy Spirit to come to an understanding that, boy, I don't have to do this, and I can be comforted because God says he will never leave me nor forsake me. So the simple summary of what I wanted to talk about today is there are parts of the Christian belief system that need to be imposed on the government, such as murder, stealing, and so forth. Well, we believe that abortion is an act of murder. So therefore, that should be something that someone is punished for. And recently, you know that doctor who ended up killing babies after they were born and it was contrary to the laws of the state? He's in prison right now. And so the pro-life movement is really making headways. They're trying to have some laws where children are told, don't tell your parents you're having an abortion. What kind of country would do that? Or this one government governor they were mentioning 
that wants to okay that after a baby is born, the mother and the physician can decide to kill it after it's born. So here the church needs to speak out. And we're not speaking out because we hate these people. We're speaking out because we love these people. And and the real reason is we don't want them to die in unrepentant sin. Because then there's a very good chance that heaven will not be their home. So, yes, Christians will continue to be persecuted. And we will continue to use the Holy Spirit and God's word among Christians and among unbelievers. We can try and solve problems by making it in their self-interest and also our self-interest not to do something. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, you can actually phone me. It's Open Mic Friday and ask me questions about what I just said. How would a Christian react in this situation? Think about it. Open Mic Friday. The number is 1-800-730-2727. I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.